time for Cigar Talk, the fastest growing cigar show in the nation. Welcome back to Cigar Talk. I'm your host, Rob Jones. We got the one and only Brian Hancock. I know I said your name wrong because I, I, I actually forgot it, but I know there's something about cock in it. There is something about cock in it. What is your last name? Will Coxon. Will Coxon. See, I was close. Close. So, hey, man, thanks for filling in for Bryant. Uh, we were scheduled to record tonight, and because uh, family stuff comes up, you know, That's so it. he wasn't able to be here tonight. So we appreciate you filling in at the last second, too. Not a problem. Not a problem. It's like, you know, hanging out, smoking cigars. Heck yeah. Anytime. We appreciate that. So let's go ahead and talk about what we're smoking. Get that out of the way. I am smoking the Tabanero Habano. Oh, great stick. Now you're smoking the Toro. Yes. Because I know you love the Robusto. And we had a big conversation about that just last night. Yep. And it's like... Oh, and, and I said, I like all three of the Vitolas. I think the Toro is my favorite right now. Really? Yeah. Okay. See, mine's the Robusto, but it 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 pains me not to get a Toro just because I know it'll last longer. Exactly. You know what I mean? But I don't care. I mean, it doesn't bother me to light one up as soon as I'm done. And Toro Connecticut all the way. I haven't even tried the Robusto Connecticut yet. Oh, yeah, dude, both of those are fantastic. I've done both of those multiple times. Yeah. So, and I'm smoking the Viva La Vida Gesture. Uh, I mean, I love this stick. This is, you know, the Gesture is like a version of a Robusto on steroids because it's a big Robusto. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, really, it's Robusto in length, but not in girth right. or ring gauge. More of a Toro ring gauge, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And but it's a great blend. It's always great construction, and I just love everything that Viva Vita does. And you know, are you aware that they only make one blend? Yes. So I, I think that is genius to do as a new company. Now I thought maybe the Club Five Hundred is a slightly different blend than the other, the rest of the line. I don't know that to be fact, but the owners told me it was the same blend. Oh, okay. okay. So, you know, you might have some inside scoop and they're not telling the truth. No, right. I'm just kidding you. No, that's uh, the whole kicker for them is all of it's the same blend. So, you know, AJ made it. And did you know that? AJ yes. blended it. And uh, AJ actually produces it. And then it's still uh, Billy and Gus's cigar company. And uh, but now AJ actually distributed it for them also. Nice, which was a huge thing. But that I mean, that's a hats off to them for what a great cigar it turned out to be. That's great. It's one of my favorites. So anyway, and I'm drinking the uh, Wild Turkey 101. Uh, Larry's drinking the old bottle and bond dickel, and you're drinking water. Nice, refreshing water. Uh, you know what? I I've been trying to drink more water because I I'm one of those guys that. I thought drinking unsweet tea was the same as drinking water. No. Yeah, that's what my doctor said. He's like, no, it's a diuretic. And I'm like, oh. So now I'm drinking this Propel that has flavor to it. It's not a lot of flavor, but I'm not a big fan of just water. Right. Something subtle that'll help you keep drinking it. Yeah. So I, that's what I've switched to when I'm not drinking bourbon. I still drink a lot of tea and a lot of coffee, but I try to slip one of those in here time to time yeah so anyway uh we're going to talk about a couple of our sponsors right quick we have jay down at the leaf that 
you know, we had Vic over here last night from uh, Cigars for Warriors. Have you met him? Yes. Okay, so he was up here last night, and I even said, as a consumer going to the Leaf, I mean, you've been to other lounges. How does it stack up? There's no comparison. I mean, and and it's so funny because we're so blessed to just happen to have it here. Exactly. I was just right down the road. You can go there every day. I'm there almost every day. I, I love it. There's yeah. just nothing, nothing better. And, you know, it's kind of weird to talk about your home shop like that so much, but it's like, if it wasn't my home shop, I'd be driving to wherever this place is. Right. And the way I described the Havana room in the back, it is truly like the one place on earth where I feel as comfortable as I do when I'm I'm in my own living room. Absolutely. You know what Sometimes I mean? Sometimes even more so. Oh, yeah. Because my wife's not there getting me to do honeydews. Exactly. I don't have to do dishes at the leaf. Right. <laughs> so, you know, and if you guys haven't ordered from them, if you, if you can go in person, I, that's... I mean, you got to have the experience. And that's what Jay is all about is the experience. 100%. And so if you get the opportunity to go by there in person, you definitely got to do that. But if you need to order cigars, and the great thing is, is they carry both of our sponsors, which is Tabanero Cigars and McAuliffe Cigars. And his service, I mean, just because you're not there in person, he still makes it as best experience as you can. He gets it out the same day. He puts Bovetta packs in it and... You know, other people I know who have made those orders have told me that he takes care of them like he they've never been taken care of before. Exactly. Your cigars are ready to smoke as soon as they hit your mailbox. Mm. And that's a big bonus. Look down the show notes and his phone number is right there. Just call him up, make an order. You'll probably talk to Scott, Alan, Casey or Jay or Dwayne. Did I miss what? Colton. Colton. Also Colton. So give them a call and uh, see what they got, man. They got a humidor that's like. Noah's Ark. Yes, it's huge. Except there's four of everything. Right. So anyway, check them out. And then also I want to talk about Case Elegance. Uh, you know, I've got the Octador. It's amazing humidor. Uh, what, Bryant has the uh, Foot Locker, the military. And, uh, dude, I'm almost jealous that he got that one over me. Right. But then Larry got the Travel Humidor. And I saw that yesterday. Look right there. It's gorgeous dude it's amazing it's freaking awesome and i mean no you there's nobody else making one that looks like that no and i mean it's well thought out with the uh, magnetic pouches so you don't have to worry about your stuff flying around inside the bag it's got even a flap for your cigars and each one of those cigars is in its own little ridge absolutely little holders for your cutters and lighters and your humidification at the top absolutely so it's and great and he just gave me a couple of good sticks right <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> give it back, give it back. <laughs> thank you larry so and then also, uh, we wanted you guys to go by the guys over at Case Elegance. If you go to their website, and that link will be in the show notes as well, uh, they actually started doing like a information type podcast for their own products. And it's just the two founders sitting around smoking cigars, having a drink and talking shop. Awesome. And I love that, you know, when you get that close to company owners, you get to know them. You get to know what's behind the product. And I love doing business when I get to know who's selling me the product. I want to know those people. 
Absolutely. If I'm giving you my money, I want to know who you are. That's right. So look down the show notes, and you can go by and check out their products. So coming up next, we've got the pick six of the week. And then after that, we're going to go to break, and we're going to have the Catman. He's been writing cigar reviews for over 10 years. He started smoking cigars in 1968. That's a year before I was born. <laughs> 13 years before I was wow. 14. Yeah, 13. I mean, I was like, dude, smoking cigars way back then, that was basically like the beginning. You know what I mean? That's like the prehistoric age of cigars. Right. Because really, cigars didn't really start catching hold until the late 80s into the 90s. I mean, big time. And then, uh, so going back to the 60s, I can't even imagine. And I would imagine all of them, I'm going to have to ask, but I imagine all of them were like Robustos and Petite Robustos. You know what I mean? Because most of the cigars back then, I mean, these big cigars are is all new. Right. In the last 15 years. Even the Churchills? Well, not 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 lengthwise, okay. but gauge-wise. Right. Like the 50, shoot, 54s and up? You would have not found any of those 30 years ago. Oh, I would have been happy if they had stayed that way. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not impressing me by showing me how big it is. So, anyway, uh, let's go ahead and let you get started with your three first, and uh, I'll be looking over my list. All right. So, I got my top three in no particular order. Is the uh, Somber Misa Brulee by Steve Saka. Dude, that's a great stick. It's now, great. I, well, I say that. I, I don't know for sure which one. Is that the blue or the red? No, that is the Connecticut. Oh, okay. I've never had that one. It's great. Now, you're going to have to give it an honest chance. It is a sweet tip, mm. but it's a very, very subtle sweet tip. And how long does that sweetness last? Just a couple of drags. I mean, it doesn't. It does you not. Know, stay I, I could never. I don't care how light it is. If it's the entire smoke, no. can't go that way. Maybe an inch. Okay. Maybe an inch. And the one that I had, I had the Churchill. Uh, Scott and I actually smoked the Churchill together Thursday when they got them, and it was a two hour and fifteen sm- minute smoke. Wow. We smoked those things all morning long. No kidding. Past lunch. Wow. It was great. That was my first. Uh, no. That was my third Saka, but the first one that I've been able to get at the Leaf. Well, the Sombra Misa also comes, you know, I know I've got it completely wrong. It's the Me Carissa Track and Ticket Toe, something like that. Uh, Tricky Traka. There you go. That's what I said. I smoked one of those, too. Uh, I do like those. That's I'm a big stuff. fan of those. And I'm pretty much a fan. I've never had the, uh, I, I can't remember. Um, um, Bogog? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great yeah. smoke. Really? Yes. Wow. See, I, I wanted that. to try those, but I haven't seen them. Yeah. And I was like, I like everything else Steve does. So, you know, why would I think I don't like this one? A friend of mine sent me one of those with a, a little five pack that he sent nice. me. Nice. Uh, it was it was excellent. He sent me that and a unicorn as well. Wow. Yeah. You got a good friend. I do. So have you smoked the... Uh, the Sin Compromiso? Not yet. That's the only one I haven't touched. I think you really like that one because I know a lot of what you smoke. Right. And it's a, to me, it's a mild medium. You know what I mean? It's it's a medium, but it's a mild medium. But the flavors are just amazing. Right off the bat, the uh, wrapper is a real dark 
oily, thick wrapper. Nice. And it has a little bit of like dark chocolate to it. Nice. And so you're like, pour me a good cup of coffee, no sweeteners, and it pairs perfectly. It is definitely on the list of things to smoke. Every time I come across one, I always buy a couple. Right. That's so. the problem is they're kind of hard to find. They are hard to find. All right. For my number two. I got the Perdomo Habano Barrel Aged Connecticut. Wow. Two Connecticut's in a row for two you. Two Connecticut's in a row. Well, I, I know you've been like trying those out. On and, a Connecticut kick. And dude, isn't, isn't it like a whole new level? Yes. I mean, it's like, you know, forever. I remember I was like, ah, I don't smoke Connecticut's. And then when I finally had burned myself out from just going hardcore nicotine bombs you know full strength and it was like i gotta do something different so i went all the way back to the beginning of where you should start right and started working my way through and, and you know what i'm glad i did it that way Absolutely. because it's it's to me it makes you appreciate those cigars so much more because you never you know what you've had but a new guy he may enjoy it but he doesn't get it right he will but not yet no no it's all smoking experience right but i didn't go connecticut all the way but perdomo pat was in the uh, in the leaf last week and he gifted me uh, a stick he asked me what i wanted and i said to connecticut just surprised me and he handed me that and uh, smoked it the next morning it's it's in my top five now wow i've smoked four more since now you're not talking are you talking top five connecticut top five okay it's not okay. top five all I, well see i thought that's where you're going i was like holy shit can it's I get not a box? quite there it's not quite there but it's pretty good that's uh, awesome really been digging that a lot I had one of those this morning as a matter of fact that was my uh my coffee cigar for the day <sighs> you know what i didn't i didn't get up till like 11 and I did actually have one cup of coffee and a cigar, but it was at 11. <laughs> well, that's what time I started to. 10. Well, I was up till 2 a.m. editing the show that came out this morning. So I was like, eh, I'm sleeping. And I woke up. Whew. How old are your kids? 10. Let me tell you what. It just doesn't ever get easier. <laughs> it becomes way more expensive. Well, I'm sure. But my daughter's car had an issue, so I told her, just come over to the house. You can drive mom's car to work in the morning, and then we'll go take care of your car when you get off. Right. And so at 6.30 this morning, my wife's phone's blowing up. My daughter's at work, but she's forgot her keys to open the building uh -oh. that she's opening for the business. <laughs> And, I mean, the whole time I'm just laying there listening to my wife go crazy looking for these keys. And I'm like, see, me, I have a policy. Lack of planning on your part does not create an emergency for me. There you go. So I'm just, like, rolling back over and going to sleep. <laughs> and so. When I, I have time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Well, like, my daughter was having me do some stuff for her earlier today. And I was like. You realize you're on my time now. <laughs> you're asking me <clears throat> to do things. Right. So, all right. All right. Number three is what I'm smoking right now. Oh, dude. Tabanero Habano. I smoked one right now. 
I smoked one last night. Uh, I gifted one to a friend of mine. He came through, uh, came through town for just a couple of minutes, stopped by the leaf, grabbed a couple of cigars, and I decided I'm going to buy him one of these and nice. send him on the road. Dude, how many people have you seen smoke those that didn't think they were out of sight? I haven't met or seen a person smoke one and say anything bad about it or every time i it. see someone smoking one they go on and on about it the burn the draws perfect every time the blend is just lights out perfect i mean to me that's that's what a cigar should be right there 100 percent. you know what i mean i know i'm gonna get this great blend i'm gonna have no issues because i want a cigar that i don't want to think about exactly and i think about it whenever i puff and retrohale and go Damn, that's good. That's a good cigar. But I, if I got to mess with it, it just, I would rather just stand outside with a 250-pound football player kicking me in the balls. There you go. You know what I mean? So anyway, I'm going to do my top three this week. And, you know, we're probably going to have just a little bit of overlap. Maybe not particular cigars, but brand. And because I've also been on a huge tabanero kick and for me tabanero was like i had messaged them on instagram and i was like i see all the videos man you got rollers in your shop rolling your cigars and he's like yeah they're uh, def uh defectors from cuba and i was like that's badass and they're in ebor city and i was like man i'd love to try your cigars and he was like no problem i'll send you a five pack he sends me this five pack i start smoking through these cigars and i mean right out of the gate i knew i was gonna make him a sponsor of the show because <laughs> i was like that's it i mean when you find to me that's like when you find the holy grails right and with cigars there's more than one but we all look for those. And when you find it, I mean, had you ever heard of Tabanero? Never. I don't know. I've never heard of them in my life. And whenever he said he would send me a five pack, I've had tons of cigar companies that send me five packs. And I don't even mention it on the show because <laughs> I don't want to be ugly. Right. I mean, if you send me free cigars, I'm not going to throw you under the bus on the show. But I'm also not going to talk about them. And I'm not going to beg you to be a sponsor. No, they got to hit a criteria. Right. And we, we have a certain level, which, you know, which is amazing that we have the people that we have supporting us because they are way much higher level than what we are. 100%. And so anyway, Tabanero, I was smoking the uh, Connecticut and I was smoking the Robusto and I go back and forth all the time. And I actually have in my humidor and I'm going to give you one is the Connecticut Torpedo. Awesome. And it's a it's a Toro and a half. You know, torpedoes are normally a torpedo. Right. And so, anyway, let me know what you think of that. I think, and I'll tell you this, I smoked the Tabanero Connecticut before I smoked any other blend, and I fell in love with that first. Just the Connecticut. Right. That I hadn't even smoked the other ones. And then whenever I had the opportunity to smoke the Habanos, that just kicked it up like 50 notches because i was like these are two great cigars and they don't compete with each other because they have two different completely smoking profiles and they're both good for particular moods definitely 
I mean, I don't know about you, but is that how you smoke? Like, what kind of mood of I'm, you know? Yes. Yeah, I'm definitely a mood smoker. Uh, it definitely takes a particular mood now for me to smoke a Maduro. I used That used to be my go-to. Dude, I rarely smoke Maduros now. But now I have to be in a real particular mood to smoke a Maduro. Wow. Same here. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, that was my go-to. Absolutely. Uh, the darker and oilier it was, I was like, that's, I don't care what it is. I want to smoke that. Right. And now I rarely go very dark. No, unless I just want a powerhouse stick. Something I know is going to knock like me the Libiju 1922. Exactly. I smoke that in the. Uh, is it a Corona or a Petite Corona? But anyway, I love that. But you get that full blast, but it doesn't last for an hour and a half, right? Because <laughs> I don't want to be blown away for an hour and a half. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. But anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to clean up our act around here just a little. I gave I gave I gave Larry and Bryant this speech and I said, you know what? Let's let's try to clean up the show and not drop as many sexual innuendos and F bombs. And then when I was done talking, I go, Really, I'm just talking to myself because <laughs> I know y'all aren't the ones doing it. So anyway. Uh and then number two this week was one that I mean, I revisit this stick at least one to two times, sometimes three times a month. Uh, the uh, AJ Fernandez Cameroon New World. Have you had that? Yes. That is a silky smooth cigar. Yeah. And I I enjoy it so much because it is a very smooth in profile, but the wrapper is like silky smooth oil. Yeah. And it just. AJ, every time, it's just like, you know you're getting a great cigar if it has his name on it. Hits it out of the park. I mean, even if you look at his cheaper lines like the, uh, what is it, the Last, Last Call? Call? Those are great sticks. Especially if you get them at the Leaf because those have some age on them. Oh, yeah. Jay's got some treasures in there that people don't know about. Definitely. That have been in there for years. And the Last Call is one of them. Yeah, absolutely. And then my last stick was I actually had the... Uh, Romacraft Cro-Magnum in the uh, Aquitaine. Now, have you ever smoked those? Bunch. That's a pretty strong stick for me now. It is, yeah. And I used to smoke the Cro-Magnum, just the black label, all the time. And like now, that's, uh, I mean, I got to be drunk to smoke that one. Yeah, I was a Neanderthal, the orange band. And see, I smoke those too, but they're pricey compared to the black band so i pretty much smoke those but now the aquitaine and even the intemperance is more my speed right like because the, the aquitaine's still a full body it's still it's a stout stick but it, it's not as much as them but that was i hadn't smoked that in a while and so i was like you know what i'll, I'll try one of those again and it was a very good smoke nice and so, but anyway, man, that's going to wrap up the pick six for the week. Uh, we're going to go to a little break. When we come back, we will have the cat man who does the, dude, these cigar reviews. I'm going to have to send you his link. And for everybody else, I'll have a link in the show notes to Catman cigar reviews because you've never read reviews like his. <laughs> and it's not just because he's 150% honest which is why a lot of people in the cigar industry probably don't care for him too much. But, I mean, if you're reading reviews, that's what you want is honesty. Absolutely. 
But the other thing is he sprinkles in his humor. He sprinkles in stories of him on tour back in the 60s and 70s with the whole dude. I got to show you a picture. I don't know what year it was. I think it was like 74. He's on stage with this bass, and I promise you his afro is this big. <laughs> and he's got this big-ass mustache. Nice. And so, anyway, he puts all these stories, and I'm like, man, I enjoy reading the view. And his his reviews are somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,500 to 4,000 words. Dang. So it's a read. It does, that's a read. Yeah. So, anyway, guys, we'll be right back after a quick break with the Catman. Hey, guys, thanks for hanging through the break. We have a special guest with us today. They call him the Catman. He writes weekly cigar reviews. He's been doing it for over 10 years, 12 years. And the guy started smoking cigars in 1968. That's before I was born, and you guys know I'm old. And then uh, he joined a rock band, went all over the world, and now he's writing cigars or writing cigar reviews every week, and he's really an outsider looking in because he just tells the truth. Always. Always tells the truth. And then you know what? I got a great story after we get to talking about how I came to know Philip. It was very interesting. So anyway, I'm gonna biblically? No, no, not biblically. But okay. very interesting the same. So how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I uh, look very tired and pale. Well, I live in Wisconsin and Milwaukee. So being a California boy who's tan all the time, most of my life, you know, Wisconsin has drained all the blood from my face. Um, and uh, I also haven't slept in a long time. Um issues with an old skydiving accident and um this is what you look like if you don't sleep for months <laughs> so i'm just gonna take and you're right so yeah and i asked him i was like hey man did you get any sleep last night and he's like yeah i slept good i was for two hours so yeah that's all i'm getting hey so what what is it that you're lighting up there phil it's a uh, Padron 1947. I bought it new when I was 18. Nice. I was going to say, I, did you buy that while you were on a cruise? I wanted to bring a scar on the show that was the most phallic uh, example of a uh, old tube of tobacco that I could think of. Plus, it's a little Tony Soprano-ish, too. Yeah, it really nope. is. That's what. What is that? About a six by fifty-six? Oh no, it's at least seven. Oh, seven. Uh, seven inches. Something I've never seen. Me neither. Uh, personally, you know. Um, but uh, I, I don't remember. I took the band off it, and now I don't remember what it was. Ah, gotcha. Uh, you know. Well, it looks like a like a probably a medium to full like a habano or because it's not quite maduro you're puffing up can you 
you dial 911 for me? Yes. You give me the signal and I'll do it. <laughs> so, um, when I talked to you the other day, you were, you were dressed differently. Well, yeah. I normally bra, dress differently. Brown pantyhose and the leather headgear with the red ball. Your semblance was terrible. That's only that's only whenever we're doing the light of my crew show. The S's were all, you know, right. It was it was it was pretty funny for a while. Yeah, it gets tiring after a while. Water. So, I want to take back all the way to like 1968. How did you come to try Boulevard, the 60s, that's where I lived, hanging out, smoking joints with strangers, passing them, uh, rock stars hanging out. You get to see them and you know, the Whiskey A Go-Go and the Gazaris. I mean, it was like the, 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 the heart of uh, the peace, love, and understanding generation, and I was in one of the centers, you know, in L.A. Yeah, in uh, L.A., man, right I can't time, even imagine. I yeah. was in my late teens, you know, and I was a bass player by 15. My mom had to drive me to gigs. Uh, it was embarrassing, <clears throat> but um, uh, it was an incredible time, and the people around that got to live through that are disappearing, you know, um, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like the Roaring Twenties. You know what I mean? It was just that yeah. level of excitement, but in a different direction. Yeah, it's a it's a stupid analogy, but I fucking get it. Well, it just makes me think of how many different generations have been like through those kind of changes. You know what I mean? No, I, I understand. You know, the Roaring Twenties um, was a gay time. You know, but, you know, we also had uh, Vietnam and civil rights. Right. Know? That was your time. Mark. Yeah. I'm sorry. That was your time. Yeah, exactly. You know, so that wasn't something there was no uh, civil unrest in which people were rising up against the government. In, like in the 60s, in the 20s, the 20s, it was all just, you know, disco duck. Um, yeah, but also at the same time, they had prohibition, so they were kind of going against the government because they I had know, so World War II had end, I mean, World War II, World War One had ended, and they was industry was was just huge, money was everywhere. So even with prohibition, people, you know, you you want something, you'll get it, right? Yeah. Government is stupid. Took them five days to get water to the um, um, the dome in, in New Orleans. Oh yeah, um, you know, and then people worry about they're coming for us, and they can't get water to these people during a hurricane right. for five days. So you know, people with the conspiracy theories about how government is going to be, um, you know, is after us. We have to protect ourselves. Government is so fucking stupid. You know, we've got some smart people that know how to run things. But basically, you know, <clears throat> government itself is dumb. It's just a money machine. Yeah, it's it's just there's no way they could they would could organize something of any scale. You know, it's just it's just not possible. And 
and I've grown up in a time and I've seen, you know, different things. And it's, it's, um, it's cool, even though by the standard average mean in the United States, I, I will be dead in about four and a half years um, when I'm 76. Uh, oh no, three and a half years. <laughs> you just, you just cut half your life expectancy down. Damn here. Damn. <laughs> oh, Shit. I mean, four years from now, I'm going to be missing Christmas. All right. And Fuck me, man. Oh, you know. Well, I would say smoke all the cigars you can between now and then. Yeah, this cigar is terrible. That's why I took the band off. Oh, I want you to know what it is. It, um, it take, of course, uh, you know, I smoked a few cigars today. So you know, with each successive cigar, my palate um, <clears throat> gets a little crispier if you will. And, um, uh, I don't, uh, I don't get the in, in punch in the face from that first one of the day in the morning. It's my favorite time. So your palate gets better throughout the day. No worse. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Unless there's some cigar that I'll smoke after dinner. I always have an after dinner stick and it's just fucking killer. doesn't matter. You know, it's kryptonite doesn't bother it. You know, it's it's, it's that great ready cigar. It, it cuts through ice. It cuts through glaciers. Now, what what's a cigar to you that does that? I mean, what's one of those sticks? You mean a brand name and a brand? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know if I want to be. I mean, I'm a big fan of AJ Fernandez. I'm, I, I although it, it's getting a little old that uh, the Mexican San Andre San Andres. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. San Andreas, uh, but I, I, I used to it. I, I, and with the Nicaraguan binder and fillers. Right. You know, we've been seeing that same blend. Everybody get on the wagon over the last five, six, seven years. And now, you know, it's like you, I, when I write my reviews, I write that um, I, I, here's the prediction. It's a, a Nick Puro or with the Mexican wrapper. Uh, uh, These are the flavors, you know, they, they're now standardized. Uh, because of getting too locked into this, you know, it's, some people are experimenting. Um, but do you uh, think that happened because they were such a big hit that then everybody yeah, started using that right. formula? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. Uh, I liked him. That's why I was a fan of AJ. You know, he and Pepin Garcia. Uh, you know, with the uh, Garcia brands, uh, I loved him. You know. Uh, when I think I first started smoking him in the late nineties, early two thousands and same thing with AJ, when he came on the scene, I just loved everything he did. Southern draw is one of my favorites. Kazdagli cigars is one of my favorites, even they don't advertise with me anymore. (laughs) Jeremy, come on, dude, you have more money than God. Um, but he makes, he, they used to be called bespoke cigars. He's out of Estonia. Uh, that's where his castle is. And um, he makes, he used Hendrik Kellner in the beginning a lot. And I was given his cigars 100s. They were 20 to $25 cigars. They're worth every dime. And I'm an anti, I get, am I, you know, I'm really honest in my reviews. <clears throat> and 
I don't, and I have to excuse myself to my Commonwealth readers, the British Commonwealth, because I think in Canada and elsewhere, they pay like four times what we pay, and they get sick and tired of listening to us complain about it. Uh, what we pay, or you know, I, ten dollars should get a good cigar. Uh, when you start seventeen, eighteen bucks, it better have a hooker in it, right? Uh, you know, and um, uh, and a condom. So uh, I, uh, uh, so who else do I like? Um, I wrote it down because I knew I wouldn't remember it because I'm very old. Um, okay. Oh, I like Tatawahe. I, you know what? I just them. started smoking those and I've really the black, enjoyed them. The black, the black. Have you had the Fausto? I've had them all. I love them all. But the black is my favorite. I haven't had that one. The yeah, it's uh, when that matures in your humidor, that's just killer. But it's one that's never in cellophane. So even at a store uh, shop, it's what I go to f- because it's it's being humidified, but it, it's open. It's not it's not really breathing with the cello, even though I know it's perforated. Uh, you got to get the cello off to, to let it age properly, hibernate for three, four months. And that'll give you a good blend. Now, do you normally take all the cellophane off before you put your cigars all in the, the humidor? cigars that I know I'm going to smoke in the next six months, yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if, if I don't think I'm going to smoke it for a couple of years. But, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much a, you know, I just watch for what's new. And that's kind of what I have to do. And I buy stuff. People give me stuff. People don't give me enough stuff. You need to give me stuff. So I'm only making $4 a year on Social Security. So, I mean, there's a there's a big PayPal thing on my, my site. Um, Taking care of the elderly? My, my wife has to work the streets uh, so that we can live in an apartment. Right. You know? And that's really terrible. She just turned 71. And um, while she's... I'm I'm good. This is this is my wife. Last year when she turned seventy. What happened to you? I know it's horrible. <laughs> I look at the photo on my uh, website. It was taken a little over a year ago. I look like a healthy sixty-something-year-old. <clears throat> now I look like I'm a hundred years old. The pandemic. Uh, the uh, I don't know, man. I know. I I, I said about, yesterday. About time, man. It, it it got to me. You know. I opened the door once too often. It's like you <laughs> went to the bathroom and came out wearing an Art Carney mask. Art Carney. You see, that's one I've never heard. Uh, but then I've always, you know, since my skydiving accident twenty years ago, I, I I've never been overweight. Since then, I've had weight problems, and I just lost a bunch of weight. On a diet, no carbs, no sugar, no seed oils. Seed oils are in everything. It's everything. You take that out of your diet, and within two months, screw Prevagen. This stuff wakes you up. But you know, I didn't start it till I was seventy, and it made a huge difference in my life. I got off all, uh, you know, that wasn't diabetic anymore. No blood pressure pills. Got really healthy because I thought, you know. I'm at a point, I really would like to see my grandsons graduate high school. I'm, I want to be. How long is that? Well, one is a one-year-old and a four-year-old. Yeah, you're screwed. 
I mean, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna applaud you and hope that you hit seventy six, but I don't see you making it into the. So the many mix. friends haven't. I mean, you, you know, when they started dropping like flies in their fifties, your age. No kidding. They started getting illnesses. All my old friends, you know, they were dropping dead right and left. It's starting in their 50s and 60s. It got even quicker. And hardly any made it to 70. You know, it's like uh, um, us boomers, you know, uh, I don't know what we were smoking, but it was either too much or not enough. Because, um, you know, I don't know. I don't have a lot of friends left. In fact, I usually spend a lot of time in the corner uh, with my face in it, covered in a, um, a buffalo hide while I weep. Uh, it's just horrible. It, it, sounds, it sounds different than what I would have imagined that you do. Yeah, I'm the cat man is just a character. I'm really a pathetic old fucking man. <laughs> Um, there's, um, my, uh, but I love cigars. I love cigars and I've got a great palate and I'm never wrong. I'm never wrong in my reviews. I can't tell you the number of, of reviews that said in six months to a year, you're going to see these cigars on the online cigar auction sites and sure as shit or on sale, you know, on, on the online stores. And um, they all ended up like that. Yeah. So, so I'm wrong. I, I'm blessed with being the one. Hey. I am the cigar father. Find something you're good at and stick with it. Yeah. I mean, I'm also a retired structural engineer, but, you know, this is what I do in my retirement and have done. Um, uh, and the music, I should tell one music story. Hold on, I want to back up to 1968 when you started smoking cigars. Okay. You were in L.A. You were in yeah, a band was, at 15. In, uh, so when I'm, you were, like, playing at gigs, were you, yeah. like, you seen other people smoking cigars? My dad, my grandfather. Oh, okay. Cigars. You heard of J.C. Newman cigars, oh, right? Absolutely. The Julius, Caesar, the Julius Caesar cigar, the Diamond Crown. Uh, Julius Caesar Newman was a real man from Hungary, lived in Cleveland. My grandfather was from Hungary, lived in Cleveland, owned a saloon, and only sold uh, J.C. Newman cigars. He became best friends with Julius Newman. And when I was little in L.A., he would bring him out when he would come out from Cleveland, spend a week with us, and Julius was his best friend. And um, that's weird, isn't it? That is I mean, weird. Yeah, it's just one, some coincidence, huh? Uh, but he was Julius was a dear friend of my, my grandfather. He, he mourned his loss for the rest of my grandfather's life. But... Um, I'm sorry, what was the question? So what influenced you? I guess you answered that. Your dad and your granddad. Yeah. I mean, that was yeah. a and natural also, progression. I I cool. Well, yeah, absolutely. And it was wrong. That's the because I was in college. And I thought the, the college chicks would think the along lines twenty Lancero while I'm hanging out in at Cal State University, Long Beach. I mean, there's a prestigious school. Um on the commons with the grass, I'm wearing 
1968, you know, the go to the surplus store and you get a World War II army jacket and it's got, it's real and, you know, part of the hippie thing. And, and I smoked the cigars and didn't attract a single fucking woman the whole time. So I, I rolled that out, but I did bring them to gigs and I've always smoked a cigar while I was playing, except when I was, you know, like curved air in the mid seventies and we're playing in front of thousands of people. I mean, you know, it was a production, you know, right. that was touring big time. Toured with, uh, uh, we did a few nights with Black Sabbath. Uh, usually we headlined, but uh, sometimes, you know, paths w- would cross. And Ozzy in the mid 70s was uh, just an animal. And he had a, uh, uh, this um, thing about shit. He just loved to spread his shit everywhere. And, and uh, we were at a club. I don't know if it was after a gig or a night between gigs. We're sitting at this big semicircular booth and he pulls a turd. He shits in his own pants, leans over, grabs the turd, puts it in the roadie's drink, who's not looking, who's sitting next to Ozzy, and we're me and, and Stuart, and it was just me and Stuart hanging out all the time. Uh, we're watching, and we, we both started gagging. We had no control, no, you know. And the roadie turns around. I mean, he grabs it before, and he, you know, and he got it like this close before he realized there was Ozzy's turd in there. That was really, you know, we left <laughs> the club. Yeah, you know, I thought, I thought maybe cool. you got escorted out. <laughs> um, not in those days, man. People were doing drugs, you know, in these hip clubs. You know, the, this wasn't a, until I was into the rock and roll elite of London. I never would have known about these clubs, you know. So I go and I'd see what's his name from Mott the Hoople sitting there with two chicks on each side in a booth. Um, what was his name? Um, oh, God, sorry. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, music's still part of, big part of my life. I never stopped playing just because I got out of the business. I was a musician. Do you nine. still play? I play bass guitar. I also play upright bass. Uh, I had an electric upright bass. Um, <clears throat> and I was a really good bassist, and I was lucky. How much time we have left? Oh, you're good. Okay, can I tell you the story about how what my audition was like? Because this is what every musician dreams of. What when I auditioned for Curved Air? Yeah, can I tell you that's okay. I'll do it as fast as I can. Um, <clears throat> I had just gotten to London. I was with my best buddy and his wife. Had enough money for a one-way ticket, and not enough to go back. And two weeks in, we're almost broke, living in, in a. a, a a shithole in London and I see an ad melody maker uh, for a bass player and right below it for a roadie. And I called, it was the same number. And I said, you know, I'm a bass player, but you know, a roadie man, I need money. And he said, well, you know, you just, just do the bass thing and we'll, we'll go from there about the roadie. I said, okay. <clears throat> now I went to the audition. I had to go to St. John's wood, which is a very ritzy part of London. And it's, uh, Miles Copeland's house, and he was on the corner and straight down uh, perpendicular was Abbey Road Studios, and that, Abbey Road. I mean, this was a hoity-toity part of town. He turned his um, uh, basement part of it into a big sound room so the bands could rehearse. And he he uh, started with Wishbone Ash, Caravan, Climax Blues Band, Renaissance. Had a bunch of uh, bands, and they went on with Sting. 
Um, anyway, uh, the, uh, the audition. Uh, so I went there, there's a million guys and I don't, I'm just a pussy when it comes to auditions. I just, just don't do it well. And, um, although I always get the gig, um, always have, uh, and thank you, Cosmic Muff. Um, I left and walked away. And I was halfway down the sidewalk and Stuart Copeland yelled at me. He'd come out. I don't know why. He goes, where are you going? And I said, man, I don't do cattle call auditions. And he said, you douchebag. Come back here. And he grabbed me by the arm and I got my bass. And, you know, it takes me down back where there's 40 other bass players waiting their turn and makes me tea, gives me some biscuits, which are just cookies. And they go back and they're playing the same four or five songs over and over again. So everybody's sitting there. How am I going to play this different? How am I going to play this different? <clears throat> well, of course, as an American, I was into jazz fusion in the early 70s. Hadn't hit England at all. And they were all playing um, bass like Chris Squire. Of, yes, I know, very, very special man and, and but just you know no funk man you know no funk you know and um so i was into that i was into all the great jaco pastoria stanley clark ron carter all these great people and i was in the right place at the right time so i go in it's and i'm ready for to play the songs and it's Stuart and the guitarist and daryl way the violinist playing keyboard and um they say you know what we're really tired of playing the same four fucking songs over and over again. Why don't you give us something? And I just like, you know, uh, oh, I can't, you know, I just been two hours, I'm out there playing, you know, and now you want me to give you something. This was absolute terror. I was 24 years old. Um, so I played something I thought was sort of Billy Cobham-ish, the drummer, sort of like, and it was like, Exactly like Beck Bogert and a piece uh, when Jeff Beck had that trio and Jeff Boger on bass and Carmine a piece on drums. It was just uh, an amazing thing. And, uh, and Stuart's eyes were like, like dishes. He didn't blink and he's just staring at me and I'm just hammering away. And he said they, they were going to bring back the, the best, the cream on Sunday. And I'll definitely be one of them. And thank you for coming. And they asked me a bunch of stuff and, um, I get back to my uh, shithole and there's a payphone and it rings and it was uh, Daryl Wayne. And he said, uh, wow, I really like uh, your uh, playing, you know, but uh, do you have to play so many notes? And I thought quickly, uh, well, you gave me 10 minutes to show you 10 years of playing. Oh, yeah, I get it. And then Stuart Copeland called me and I go, wow, what's going on? And then I just forgot about it. And I went back Sunday figuring, okay, there's going to be these, you know, Jack Bruce, Paul McCartney is, are going to be there and I'm going to be competing against them. So I'm, I gird my loins, I show up and I'm the only one there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Was I kicking the pants? I was immediately put on the payroll for British talent management. And, and, Miles and, you were, and you were sweating bullets for all that time. Oh, my God. I'm telling you, I, you know, my life was, I was broke. But we made a point of being in a country that speaks English if we're broke and have to beg and live on the street. 
that's a that's how serious we were about music in 1974. That's a very forward-thinking benefit. Yeah, it was just you know, no one was playing like Americans, and they had just seen back Bogart in a piece the night before my, the audition and fell in love with that. And, and I was the only one. Wow! I mean, what are the odds? You know, talk you know talk about karma. Now my karma is completely fucked. I'm coming back as a caterpillar. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've just you know. So I'm how like, how long were you in the rock and roll business? About a, a dozen plus years. When I came back, um, I bought a recording studio that the guy was running it in the ground in Long Beach, and it ended up being very successful. Um, we were doing everything from bands to DJs doing commercials for the radio stations and. Uh, Philharmonic orchestra plays would come in, you know, uh, 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 string quartets, and guy came in with a harp. Oh my God, that was something else. But we did, you name it, we had punk bands, and it was right in the middle of the gay district of Long Beach, right dead, dead center. And so we had a lot of gay bands and, and some lesbian bands. The gay bands were no problem. They're, they're all very down-to-earth, fun, bunch of guys, you know. But the lesbian bands, I don't know. It was, you know, they were all really butch, and they hated men. And we couldn't figure that out because we were very nice to the very polite to customers. And <laughs> they didn't, you know, you probably need to edit this out <clears throat> because, you know, it was, it was a different time. It was 40 years ago. And they just really disliked us. And um, I'm going to change the subject now because uh, thank God I'm old and near death. So this will have more reaction <laughs> on my reputation. Um, uh, I used to leave my uh, engineer alone during those. Uh, you, oh, you know, he worked for a company that is uh, as an engineer that did uh, porno films. And he would engineer them and they would, it was called looping. They would add sounds that either had to be redone or whatever. And the actors would sit in a circle around microphones and they'd have a screen and then they'd have a control booth with, you know, digital uh, analog actually equipment. And they would add sounds. And it was, since it was porno, they had, you know, um, uh, and they squished stuff right in the mic and they threw in the ah. And he said, Every new engineer that got hired had to do the gay movies. Nice. And never lasted more than a week. Wow. They had to sit there and watch uh, gay porn while guys did it, you know. And um, I'm not homophobic, 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 Jesus. Um, Yeah, I'm not either. And, I mean, it's just, it's just a fact. This is what happened to me. This was these were the things that happened in my life, and because that's um, that, and that's the way things were back then. Yeah, you know it it um, it was a good time. Uh, well, how long did you have the studio? Yeah, I, and people come in without a bass player and say, well, "You know, a good bass player," you know, and I get a session uh, gig on top of it. You so know, so I, I would, 
how long did you own this studio? Uh, uh, four or five years. Okay. And this, so what did you and do then, after that? Uh, I went, I became uh, a structural engineer project manager for a commercial construction company because I decided to go straight. My Eddie Munster, Butch Patrick, whatever happened to Eddie uh, project went down when the record company went down because they were embezzling $15 million from Hughes Aircraft to keep the record company going. And just after we sold 181,000 singles of whatever happened to Eddie, and I was to get 25 cents a single, which would have kept me whole, the FBI swarmed in and shut them down. And I got interviewed a couple of times, and they just figured I'm just some dumbass musician. He he doesn't know what he's involved in. And you got nothing? I got nothing. All my money was gone. It was all confiscated by the FBI. Oh. Yeah, so after that, you know, and um, you got a real job. Yeah. Well, I love the music, but I, I was stupid and got into the business end pretty heavy as well. But since then, I've always played in some good bands, blues, R&B, uh, rock, classic rock, you know, make it our own good players and play out every weekend, every other weekend. And that's where my love is, you know. All play. Do you play? I don't. I do not play. Nothing. No. Make you play something on the accordion. I. <clears throat> whenever I was young, mainly I just played with myself. Ah, well, didn't we all? I'll drink to that. So no. Whenever I was uh, what like eighteen to nineteen, I was in a band. I was the singer. I couldn't play oh, yeah. any instruments, and we were we were like what you well, would... don't pretend like you didn't hear me. I well, me I didn't you. hear you. I'm ignoring you because those yeah, days exactly. are long gone. Those days are because <laughs> let me tell you, it wasn't it wasn't no. We were this was in the 80s, and we were doing stuff like uh, flock of seagulls, Tesla. <laughs> And uh, what's the other? Guns N' Roses, that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. All right, so you're playing rock. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, back then in the day, like I saw the pictures of you, which I love. And by the way, guys, on the YouTube channel, I'm actually going to put them up right now. So you'll be able to see the pictures of Phil back in the rock and roll days. I had my big afro. Yeah, you had a badass afro. And you know who gave, who gave that to me? Uh, somehow someone knew someone. And um, Vidal Sassoon was a very famous hairstylist to the stars. <clears throat> he had his own line of products. And he was like, you know, really in. I, I just remember him, you know, the perfect hair, thin, bell bottoms. He's probably gay because um, uh, he was just always looked better than everybody. And he gave me the haircut. I went there and... Uh, it was $25 in 1971. And meanwhile... You say $25? Huh? $25 for a haircut? In, yeah, in the early 70s. That was expensive back then. Yeah. But what I did get was I did get some sex. Ah. Uh, a girl that would wash my hair, and I'd be leaning back with my arms on the uh, armrest and she literally sat on the top of my right here 
And I mean, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I mean, was I supposed to turn my hand like that and then get, you know, smacked and thrown out? Or was I just supposed to not say anything? Was she, I'm supposed to give her a bigger tip? I don't know. I mean, is there a date for me later? I'm guessing that you didn't do anything. I didn't. And it got even worse because they sat me in front of a mirror with four stools. And back in the day, there was this TV show called Wide Earp with the actor Hugh O'Brien. Hugh O'Brien was this big, marble, handsome man. He, he was in lots of movies, but he did this series. And he just, you know, the perfect chiseled jaw and just, you know, uh, a, a 40s type movie star looking guy. And um, he sits down next to me. And oh, this was before I got the haircut and the um, uh, someone who uh, um, assessed my hair. I had long hair. And he just he just starts doing this. Now my hair is standing up like um, like I've been electrified. It's just all goofy looking. He walks away and I'm sitting there. Uh, Hugh O'Brien sits next to me. Immediately, five chicks with legs this long in short shorts are bending over while he's reading a script, of course. Uh, they all do that. Um, and I'm looking at the mirror at him and I'm looking at me. And, you know, I look like I'm three feet smaller. I look like a little person in that chair compared to this guy, he's 6'4", you know. And But that's where I got the, the afro. I just have naturally curly hair. And I blue-dried. Blue-dried? Blue-dried? Blue-dried. You blue... It's got to be blue-dried. Apparently, senior moments are catching. They're contagious. Even, yeah. over, even if it's digital. I can't... I, you know, I can't talk anyway. So, uh, so <laughs> yeah, I watched your show. You're a good talker. Well, the only I talk I a lot. I, I, is you're, well, I mean, you, you know, you're fucked up a lot, but, uh, still, I mean, uh, you and Brian, it's a pleasure to watch. And I'm, I'm, I haven't been a fan. I'm sorry. People are going to hate me of, of video reviews because I don't get entertained. I'm not a fan of those. Or if they either. don't entertain me, I'm not interested. It's yeah. just like, you know, there are some reviews I hold in high esteem, some companies, you know, that I'm associated with because I'm in this top 50 thing. Yeah. And and I'm an independent. I have I've never worked for a cigar industry in my life, even though you say I'm in the cigar industry. You know, I'm an engineer that started writing a blog. And... Um, that's all I am. I still am. So the cigar industry hates me because I'm honest and my readers depend on me to be honest. Uh, and I make a point of taking that seriously. You know? Well, I think, and that's, I, I've read several of your view, reviews since we started talking and I was I'm like, sorry. no, no, I, they're a breath of fresh air. And we at down at the leaf, there's a group of us and Paul's one of them, and Paul just cannot stand cigar reviews because they're they're like now I'm toasting the foot, and then they're like, and now yeah, know. you know, yeah, yeah. and it's like they do the first third, and then they go away, and they come back and talk about the third or uh, second third, and then the third third, and it's like I don't want to watch that. 
Yeah, exactly. It's not entertaining. That's that's what I try to do. I make that a point. The fact that I have a brilliant cigar palate, and I'm never wrong, and I've said that more than once on your show. You may want to roll the tape back to prove it. Um, is I try to entertain people. I, I Again, I write as I review. Um it's a transcript of a live radio show. That's how I write. I don't prepare anything other than the formatting. Yeah, it's and, and I mean, everybody out there's read reviews on cigars. When you go to your reviews, it's not like reading any other review you've ever read because the all the other reviews are like perfectly formatted paragraphs. They follow a formula. There's no spelling errors. <laughs> And you, yeah, yeah, You're, <laughs> yours is just, here is what I think, and this is what I get. I have to kill time while I'm smoking because I'm writing. So I try to, you know, if, if I can't make you laugh, at least go, gee, that was fucking stupid. Right. You know, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't mind. Either way is good for me. You know, uh, I have a lot of haters, a lot of trolls. Um, yeah, you told me that you actually even got death threats. Oh, all the time. Over a uh, cigar yeah. review. Yeah, I know. I know. I, you know, I feel sorry for people like this, you know, because they do it anonymously. And I'm very, one of the reasons I'm popular is I'm inappropriate and profane. That's who I am, you know. Um, so if I want to talk about, a blowjob for three sentences in the middle of me telling you the character and nuances I'm tasting. I throw it in there because I'm, I'm kind of puffing away and, and I need a few seconds to, to, as things go. And, and it's like, you know, nobody else can be inappropriate and profane. And that's why I'm not in the cigar industry because they have uh, 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 connections, uh, resources, advertisers associations they can't they can't screw that up i mean i understand that's business they do this for a living right i do if i had to do this for a living i'd be living with you <laughs> well you know and, and there is something to be said for the guys like you that do things in life because they want to versus the people who have to yeah half the written reviewers are actually held at gunpoint to write a review i mean it's it's a well-known fact within the cigar industry that weapons of all types are used to uh intimidate reviewers into writing a cigar review because it's one of the more horrible things in life to do and i mean that so but what i'm saying Phil is that if I'm going to turn to a regular guy doing what he loves to do and he's good at it versus turn to the guys that are on the payroll of a magazine well, or you know it depends I mean I agree with you as a concept <clears throat> the, the, as an overall yes I, I agree with you 100% but there are guys that I can read between the lines that there's smart um, uh, reviewers, um, but they're company men. They never the, veer off they, track. 
They never veer off track. <clears throat> well, Not- if they do, it's it's you know I'll do I'll do this. Right. You know they'll do this. And if I had to survive doing that for a living, I don't know. But that's why I don't because I couldn't be like that. Right. I, I enjoy telling the truth, and whether it's I fawn over a great cigar and give it a goddamn one hundred. Uh, which everybody gets on me. It's not the best cigar in the world. It's just the perfect cigar for my palate at that moment, at that time. And this is a great goddamn cigar. Buy it. I'm telling you to. Calm down. Okay. Got a little excited. Zen. Oh. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. I, I really, I don't read cigar reviews. I've enjoyed reading yours. Most people don't. When I worked in a cigar lounge during the pandemic, um, I had my business cards ready to hand out to everybody. Not a single person in the year that I did that had ever read a cigar review. In a, and this was a, in a hoity-toity area of Milwaukee, a very plush uh, lounge with uh, leather seats and 150-foot TV screens and, and you know, big walk-in humidor and a bar and and uh <laughs> just floored me and then they would buy six dollar part of this sticks sticks cigars yeah i i called them sticks all the time and somebody me too okay i thought maybe that, that you were you were really an alien and you had taken rob jones um no no i being. i i do the same so let me ask you this. What made you decide? I mean, did you start writing reviews after you retired or before? After. So I got, I got wiped out in the second great, Depre- second great depression of 2008, 2009. Austin commercial construction was dead in the water, hit worse than any other business. And I'm a 60 year old project manager making a lot of money and nobody's hiring they're going out of business. Um, they're using skeleton crews to stay afloat. And I was i was always a guy that chased the money. So that meant I chased the projects. So I, I never worked for a company more than three years. Uh, Chicago, McCormick Place, added a massive expansion in 05. They made it the largest um, uh, convention center in the world. And I was called from Cal- uh, while I was in California, do I want to run the job? And uh, the steel. Uh, I said, yeah. And then I moved to it and I ended up here in Milwaukee, which I call Mayberry on acid. <laughs> it's horrible. And There's how long no you, here. How long have you been there? Since 2008. And what keeps you there? Satan. <laughs> you're, you're old and you don't want to move. No, I just, our daughter's here. Our only, we have no other living relatives. Uh, My wife and I, we've been married 37 years, I think. And we have a 35-year-old daughter who will be 36 in a couple months. And she has two small sons. And she's married to a Milwaukee cop. <clears throat> yeah, like I would be on the homicide squad. Right. <clears throat> and Keep going. I'm going to be right back. I've got to grab another cigar. Oh, yeah. I was going to, but then I can't talk and smoke. So, hi, how are you? 
why are you still here? I would have, hell, I would have put Netflix on a long time ago. I mean, God, look at me. I'm like Art Carney. Hi there. You know what's funny is I bet 80% of our audience doesn't know who Art Carney is. The Honeymooners, <clears throat> and that should do it. And if you don't know what the Honeymooners is, forget. Yeah, okay. I, I, it doesn't matter. I bet 80% at no more than 70% knows who the Honeymooners are. Really? Yes. That, that's how old you are. <laughs> do I have anything short? Oh, yes, I do. I have my perfect draw um, uh, drawing tool. So when a cigar gets plugged, uh, put it against my... Do you use that? Oh, all the fucking time, man. Once you, even if a cigar isn't uh, really plugged, you can still suck on it and it's okay. Why? Why not have it exactly the way you want it? You're the one that paid $14 for it. Why can't I smoke it with the perfect draw? I, I, I understand that, but I've gotten to where if I do a cold draw and it's plugged, I don't want to freaking mess with it. I just want to throw it away and go to the next one. Throw it away. Throw it away and go to the next one. You told me your wife is Jewish. That is true. Like me. I am not. You are not. And you've learned nothing all this time. That is correct. Wow. I don't, I mean, I, I, you know. It, through it, injection, you should have, there should be something. I, there. I've tried the skewer that goes through and it does improve it but how many times have you done that and it cracks it cracks no. the rubber well, you know there's a learning curve i mean who the hell drops onto the planet and knows how to drive a car the first time um you know i i you know i won't use it on a lancero you know, I mean, I would have to be absolutely insane. Like, what's the what's the what's the minimum what? ring gauge that you would use that on? Um, a forty. Okay. See, the plugs normally happen, and I found this through experience. I've got data to prove it. Um, Harvard uh, has all my information in their archives about this. That if a plug occurs, it's right where the cigar band is. Don't ask me why. I don't know. And everyone I've asked in the cigar industry, I don't know. Yeah, usually, usually it's between the where the cigar band is and maybe just a little bit lower. Yeah, but they're almost always yeah. right there. I mean, it's not a you know concrete. It's right there. I mean, right. But in the area, and um, I don't understand. Uh, I mean, do I have to start looking at some uh, physics on YouTube? Again, I hated physics as an engineer. I like geometry and trick. I still like that. Can you still do it? Well, can I still do it? Sure. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I did it for a long time. I was a kid. Uh, you know, I liked, I didn't like algebra. I hated algebra, but I liked uh, uh, triangles and circles. Hmm. So <clears throat> that's strange, but I love my music when we're talking about loving what you do and my my. So did you love the engineering gig? No. My dad 
you know, it was, I fell into it <clears throat> after the music thing uh, collapsed, you know, with the Eddie Munster project. Whatever happened to Eddie on YouTube, right? And whatever happened to Eddie, Butch Patrick, and... Yes, it's crude, but it's only two minutes. We're gonna just we're gonna two. we're gonna put a link down in the show notes, so you'll just click down the show notes and you can go see the video. It's silly, okay? They dressed, they have makeup on. It's Eddie and the Monsters, but we, you know, they were all good looking kids, and we were trying to get a TV show. Uh, we'd I I had written a, a TV a movie script, but Eddie and the Monsters. We we're trying to get the the. The, the tweens, you know, interested, even though these guys are all 25 to 30 years old. <laughs> um, um, and um, it just went sideways <clears throat> when the record company got shut down. So then you went into the engineering gig. Yeah, I said, fuck it. I'm going straight. Plus, as I got better and better in the music business, in the business end, not just the playing, I was becoming very very ruthless and that's required and i'm not a ruthless guy not to that extent i mean everyone has some level but i mean this was like uh i am really ashamed of what i just did or said yeah to get needed to get because you're either you're either cutting people out of their money or you're stepping on other people yeah exactly you know and i just you know i hate to refer to you know pat myself on the back with my my reviews but I'm just an honest guy, you know? I mean, sure, I've had, I'm like everyone else, you know, little times that doesn't happen. But, but you know, as far as my core values, it's just the way, you know, I was brought up. I was lucky, you know, middle-class <clears throat> family. In California. Uh, in California. My uh, <clears throat> mother's last name, her maiden name was Siegel. Her, it was either, I think it was her third cousin, but it could have been her second cousin, was Bugsy Siegel, <clears throat> and, uh, the uh, gangster who invented Las Vegas. Never met him. He died in 49 um, or 47 or something. Uh, he was murdered. But uh, my mother's father died when I was two. He was a criminal lawyer in Cleveland, and I was told for a long time he died of a heart attack. But he really got... Wow. Yeah. Yeah. My mother had a half sister um, I saw on every other uh, decade. And she told me the truth in my late, my 20s or something. I freaked me out. But it also explained why my dad became a lawyer first, went to work for Gramps, and then Gramps dies. He goes back on the GI Bill and gets his civil engineering degree and goes out to California. And, um, so that's how you ended up out there. Right. He didn't want to be around mobsters. So um, uh, the holidays, there were all these second, third, fourth cousins by marriage, and they all looked like uh, the godfather. Uh, the, the men all wore natty suits and had pencil mustaches and greased black hair, and they had the see-through black socks, you know, and the shiny black shoes, and the women had big puffy hair and weight wore all the jewelry and you know it was just dripping and you know they looked down upon us as you know the the middle class relations right instead of you know and then they started disappearing so by the time the end of my teens there were none left except some of the women and the women were left with nothing because if you go to jail or, or disappear there's no pension fund 
You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no so, backup plan. Yeah. So I've got pictures of family members sitting at Ciro's with guys named Swifty and, and shit like that. You know, it was, it was really weird. And isn't it crazy to think that any little change, you could have ended up being a gangster or no, <laughs> you ended up being in the music industry, rock and roll playing. And I mean, it's just crazy to think how little changes that people make completely change yeah. how your life ends up. Well, I think that's all of us. I think that's the human, um, the, I don't want to race, the human uh, infection. Uh, I was going to say element. Okay. Um, I'm looking at notes because I can't remember anything anymore. Um, um, oh, well, this is Texas. Is most of your, uh, are your viewership in Texas or is it everywhere? No, it's everywhere. Everywhere, okay. Yeah, I actually talked to guys that are in Australia, in the UK, and I mean, cool. Canada. Cool. The, the Commonwealth, the British, the, the Commonwealth, whether it's Canada or England, they got a lot of countries that read me. <clears throat> All just like I said earlier, leave pissed comments about stop your whining. You know, we pay so much more. Right, so right. Much. Yeah, I. That's like my buddy in Australia. I sent him a 12 pack of cigars and when they got there, he has still had to pay like 300 and oh, something dollars about, about just in tax. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I've talked to him many times. And I mean, like, I don't know, an eight, $10 cigar for him is like 40 bucks. Yeah, exactly. I've got friends, uh, readers. And so now I have to, I have to actually, I've, I've said lately, Okay, Commonwealth readers, you know, breathe through your, breathe through your nose, you know, calm down. I'm going to say, you know, $14, are you fucking kidding me? This is not a $14, this is a $6 cigar, you know, so, yeah. yeah I but then I also told him, I tell you what, I'll trade cigar prices if we get free health care. Boom. He didn't, he didn't get back to me. Right. So... You started after you retired. What made you decide that you wanted to write reviews? It, famous Smoke. You familiar with them? The yeah, online yeah, cigar store? Absolutely. Okay. Um, I became the first uh, reviewer online. The first, they invented a blog, and that was all because I was smoking a lot of cigars, and I was bored because I had just lost my job. And I started leaving uh, reviews of the cigars I smoked that they had. And I guess I was smart ass and being funny because they contacted me and they offered me a gig to be the reviewer. And um, uh, I did that. And they sent me cigars where they didn't want them to wait, give them no time to age in my humidor. And um they also wanted me to write off the, the chart, off the grid, as far as being funny. I mean, this was, the guys in Monty Python would say, what? I mean, that's how out there I was writing, because they, they thought that I was capable of writing, and I am. But, I mean, you just narrow the parameters of the people, of the readership that say, oh, that's funny. You know, 
as opposed to let's, th this is easier, you know. And that's what they did. And I mean, I wrote out these outrageous reviews and and um, nothing dirty, unlike my current ones the last ten years, but just crazy stories, you know. And they were funny. I thought they were funny, but it, it shocked everybody. And um, they're the ones that said, "Get a um, uh, search your own uh, blog," and I did, based on um, oh, I forget the name, the guy, the cigar advisor, um, oh. Gary Corb, yeah, he gave me that advice. And um, so I did. And then the dumb fucks tell me, I said, you know, I'm out of work. I'm getting unemployment. How I need cigars. They said, oh, go on to the chat rooms, the cigar forums, and tell them you need cigars. They were serious. So I did that because I'd never been on a cigar forum. Guess what? I got, I got branded as a moocher. I mean, I got attacked from right, left, over, under, sideways, down. I had no idea this was against the culture of the cigar form. Well, yeah, the and you got to be specific because it's not the cigar culture. If you go to a cigar forum, it's ruthless. In my experience, I agree with you 100%. There are times, and I, I've tried in the last few years, but it's impossible to... Uh, somebody figures out I'm Catman. Somebody does, and then then it's, it becomes a a, a um, beat up field day. Yeah, it just it rolls, you know. And um, uh, but there are there, there are lots of people that like me. You know, it's usually the smart ones, uh, the dumb ones, the ones that don't get me. Uh, but, um, I actually went to a cigar forum probably within the last six weeks. And it was the first time that I ever got on a cigar forum outside of like Reddit and Reddit is not as bad as like just these cigar forums. It was like feeling like you would be Jewish and they were the Nazis. You know what I mean? They're just like, Jesus. If you say anything that's not allowed to be said, they have all these rules, and it's like, damn. And I didn't say anything. I just read people just being attacked and was like, yeah, I'm not going to mention that I'm on Cigar Talk, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you'll you'll probably become a, a target. Um, well, I, I was just like, you know, I never claimed to be – a cigar expert. I am an expert at smoking a shit ton of cigars. That's my specialty. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good goal for everybody. Yeah. Uh, you know, can't, can't argue with that. So I, I, we talk about our own experiences, but no way in any sh way, shape, or form are we experts. And so when you go to places like that, yeah, exactly. all those people think they are experts, and you're a moron, and, you know, you understand yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I tell my readers all the time. You'll probably have the exact opposite experience that I am. I mean, it's very possible. Palettes are like uh, fingerprints; they're all different. Yeah, you know, he has the same one. I mean, there's certain constants based on the tobacco and so forth and so on. But I mean, as far as getting nuances, subtleties, um, that kind of thing, um, transitions, the finish. Um, just, you know, the, the whole body and character of the cigar, you know, the, the complexity, you know, that's the thing. If you can get a complex cigar, 
Um, it doesn't matter if you have a palate or not, whether it's sophisticated or not. You're just learning or not. You don't. You 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 won't dissect it. I don't. If I'm not writing about it, I don't dissect a cigar. You go, okay, now I taste uh, raspberry uh, jellied eel. Hmm. You know, I I don't do it. I just smoke it, and if it's like really good, oh no. Yeah, well, and you know, for me, tonight. my you know what to me makes a great cigar is for me if it has like the perfect construction. I I don't have to think about like it too. at all. You know what I mean? I'm a sucker for a pretty girl too. Yeah, and then if the if it's quality, really good tobacco, I don't care what the flavor profile is. I know it's a really good tobacco, and it's you can smoke. taste the aging. Yes, that's, that's what everything is about, is it? So many. Uh, uh, that was Sammy the cat for my readers. He scared me. He has a big shadow. He's a mean coon. Big cat. Um, um, what were we talking about? Just smoking good tobacco that's been aged properly. Oh, yeah, yeah. That I I reviewed last year a. Opus X from 1997 that someone had gifted me. Wow. Oh my God. It was, it was wonderful. You know, it was like having sex with your zipper up. <laughs> well, I, and I'll tell you, I had a, not quite that far back, but a friend of mine from Atlanta sent me some cigars and one of them was the padrone millennium edition and so when he sent it to me it was 18 years old and i really had very low expectations because i was like it's 18 well, years old taken care of. right and it was amazing i was blown away really and I, 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 but my expectations were very low. You know, I was like, well, "That's good. That's good." You know, that uh, a surprise is always nice once in a while. Absolutely, uh, a pleasant surprise. You know, not where you know your doctor says bend over and cough. Um, uh, yeah, once in a while, you know. Oh, you know, I have no affiliation with them, um, but. Uh, uh, cigar Dojo got together with Atlantic Cigar and a blender, and I can't remember his name. I just reviewed this cigar. It's called the Reviver. They only made 500 boxes or something, uh, 10 pounds. Holy crap. Again, I have no affiliation. I, I just said, you know, if you don't smoke this, you don't buy, they're, they're like 10 or 11 bucks. I think if you go through the Cigar Dojo um, uh article a press release about the cigar they have a link that gives you another 10 percent off so it goes from being 110 to 100 to 90 you know plus shipping and you know it is the best goddamn nine dollar cigar i ever smoked in my life um and that's saying a lot so it's called reviver it's only an atlantic cigar you fuckers better do something for me yeah that's right. I just plugged you. Um, um, you know, uh, that's a must. I mean, I, I don't recommend cigars. Uh, Southern Draws got new stuff. It's always good. I mean, I've done 25, 30 reviews, and it's, it's always stellar and stunning. Uh, same thing with Kaz Dagley, but they're more expensive. Uh, Southern Draw keeps their stuff very uh, cost-effective. 
Um, you know, I'm not, I don't do, I'm not really big into the catalog brands. I like the boutique brands. Uh, they're more adventurous, but they also can be much more expensive because they don't, you know, they got their overheads a lot. Right, for, right. Yeah. But and, what's funny that you say that, though, then you look at some of the big companies that mass produce, you know, by the shipload. Let's just say, for instance, Monte Cristo and their cigars are not any cheaper. They're more expensive. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. I'm not a Monte Cristo fan. Not an American. You know, I like some of the Cubans. But um, I don't know. It's, it's you know, they're... Once in a while, they come up with something good. But, I mean, once in a while, it's not good enough to pay, you know, $15 or $19. I mean, you know, I want uh, I want two hookers. Right. I always bash Monte Cristo, but they do have some cigars that yeah, I have I really mean, like, enjoyed. Most of them are like smoking a Gurkha. I don't know how the Gurkha haters are going to come after me. You know what? I, I'm not a fan of Gurkha. I I think maybe I've smoked three or four of them in my whole time, and every uh, I time a bunch of them. I, I'm not a fan. No, I'm not either. When I was um, my early days of reviewing, I bought because they were very popular, it, but they also weren't as expensive as they are now. Some, I mean, they just you know, and they're they're selling the same brands that they did 20 years ago or 15 years ago. Or not brands, but blends, excuse me. Um, They've got too many blends. They've got too many everything. I don't, I can't jump in. I call it Rocky Patel Memorandum. Yeah, you know, I don't smoke a lot of Rocky either. You start cranking out so many cigars for so many different companies uh, under their name, and and then you start selling seconds, thirds, uh, quintuplets, you know, bundles, and only a dollar nine each you know and i mean you know huh yeah you smoke one of those and you want your dollar nine back well the thing is is that you know the man has no passion anymore plus he's he's a he was a retired excuse me an entertainment lawyer before we got into cigars now let me tell you something about fucking entertainment lawyers because i've had and run across a lot in my musical career they are they are worse than car salesmen. Oh my God, these these are they they swim beneath the eels, beneath the fish. Wow. Oh my God. So that should tell you everything. But the fact that he's got no passion uh, for his blends anymore. You know, now and again something comes up, but there's no passion in the blending. That's why I like Southern Draw. You know, and I like Kaz Dagley. There's there's real interest by the owners. They don't just sit and in Miami in a, a boardroom and 25 different unbanded cigars are thrown in front of them and they s- sit there for two days trying and say, okay, we'll take this one. How many can we get? You know, I mean, so many people do it, do it that way <clears throat> and, and then claim it as their own, you know, as I won't name the companies. Yeah. It, because, you know, uh, Mossad looks after me, but they can only be in so many places at the same time. True. <laughs> so what do you got going on in the future what what, what you got any plans to do anything different you're going to keep doing what you're doing what do you got going on i mean as long as i'm healthy you know i mean the only thing i got wrong with me is well i look like shit uh, but that's not necessarily an illness 
although it could lead to one, uh, there's a Woody Allen coming out, um, is uh, continue reviewing because I love it. I found um, that as after I hit 70, you know the thing that Jack Palance did in, in uh, City Slippers with uh, Billy Crystal? Where you he know said, the thing. Life is one thing. He put his finger on it. And Crystal said, what is it? What's that one thing? And is it only you know? And when I hit 70, I found out. I had a friend. I asked him, I said, you know, not long ago. I said, how old were you? I was 60. I said, fuck you, 60. I was 70. You know? You're a late That's bloomer. Right? Why do I have to wait next to 10? What's so special about you? You know, but you find out, and it um, it's changed my writing. Although in the last several months, because I'm not sleeping, because I need my neck opened up and a new uh, spine put in, um, either that or they're going to exchange my head with a uh, Henry the Chimp at the Milwaukee Zoo. Um, no one will know the no one will know the difference. See, no, uh, you know, I mean, if I don't shave, you know, of course it's. It's, it's, of course, you know what? My grandfather and my father were bald, long. I mean, they never had this much hair. But you know what they used for shampoo, of course, was either a bar of soap or prowl. Sure. You know, I mean, so I think it's only because of the modernization of hairstyling, you know, shampoos and conditioners, etc., that I've kept my hair this long. Neither one of and on my uh, mother's side, he was a cue ball, uh, you know, and he, he was dead at 52. So, you know, the photos I saw him, he was much younger. So I, both, I'm, I'm lucky to have anything. Both my brothers are, one is a cue ball and one is close. And they're both younger. How come you have a full head of hair? Is that uh, a Howard Cosell wig? Uh, no, I actually will because we have different fathers. Ah, so you walked out and, and, and I got yeah. the hairy guy. Yeah, that's cool because nothing more frustrating than I used to have when I was in my thirties and forties, big, beautiful, lush head of hair. I, I you know, people Seinfelded me when I was in my thirties because I was slim and trim and a little bit muscular, but uh, just toned. And I had this just beautiful head of dark hair. And I was a good-looking kid then. I, you know, I look like shit now. But um, <clears throat> I forgot. I got all wrapped up in I, thinking how beautiful well, I was. So you're going to you're going to keep writing? Oh yeah, I'm going to keep writing. Why not? You know, unless unless one of the uh, no, I can't think of any reason to stop. So are what you? Else am I do? How how often do you do a review? Various. So there's no <clears throat> schedule. Do, I, no, um, I, I try and sometimes I go, fuck it. Uh, but I, it's anywhere from one to four times a week. Yeah, I was blown away because I started subscribing and I'm like, wow, there's another one. Wow. there's." I was like, holy crap. I, I was expecting way less from you. I know. You should file a complaint at The Hague. It's like, wow, I, I, I thought you were doing like one, two a week max. <clears throat> well... Um, when I get my uh, viruses in the winter, like I have since I was a child, um, you know, I'll go a week or two because if, you, if this is what your scientists feel like, 
you know, your palate is totally fucking useless. Right. So um, I don't review then because of the, you know, obvious reasons. So do you, when when you get done writing it, do you automatically publish it or do you proofread yeah. it? No, I don't, I don't. I never read it. After I finish it, I hit publish and walk away from it. Wow. Yeah. So people will quote stuff back to me and go, I said, done. Really? No, it's not that funny. You know, but yeah, it's just, I don't, I mean, there's thousands on my site. It goes back to mid 2012. I was on a different um, platform before that. And then famous, of course. <laughs> I, did, I got, as a result of famous, I got work from a bunch of online cigar stories that you heard of. And I had to change my name with each thing. And I was working for half a dozen. I don't know what happened, you know, but the thing is, they wanted me to keep the sense of humor. Well, you know, it's kind of identifiable with who I am. Right. So how do I disguise that when people keep reading it in different, you know, this guy's got a different name, but he's, he still writes like the idiot that I read in the other review. Right. And that's, that's a testament because you were not writing cookie cutter reviews. So your style yeah. was very obvious. Yeah. I just didn't see, you know, plus, you know, what my reward was for writing a review was a five pack. And I'm not talking a hundred dollar five pack, you know, <laughs> right. you know but I did it because it was, it was fun. I like cigars. That's why we're here. That's why we're talking. Really. Exactly. And that's, that's what we do. We, we enjoy cigars mm -hmm. and we like talking about them and we like having a good time. I don't like to talk about them as much as I like smoking them. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll see video cast or podcast or something, and I'll start talking about something in, in the history of, of a cigar. And it's like, uh, you know, I, I kind of nod off. I'm not, it's a good thing I don't work in the cigar industry because there's parts of it that uh, just don't interest me. I, but I do love a cigar, a good cigar. I, I think the relaxation level that a cigar can provide is something that many, many drugs used for that reason can't, can't do, you know? So and, do you do any pairings? Do you drink bourbon? I do. Um, um, I also, I have a bottle of high clear castle gin and that's an odd it's the pro well first of all it's really good gin um so it's really smooth um it's not you know it's I've, one of the I've never had stuff. gin that didn't make me do that i don't like gin oh uh, uh, but anyway you know bourbon um yeah i i like uh uh all kinds of drinks i love my most favorite liquor is tequila because i grew up in southern california and, and uh, you know now, do you drink the good tequilas, like the sipping tequilas? Well, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, there's no, I mean, I don't drink to get drunk, you know, so I don't go to Costco and buy you know, a gallon jug of tequila and it just has a white label with the words tequila on it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and drink half of it on the way out to the parking lot. Yeah, um, I, I just don't drink tequila because I've had a bad experience. I've told that story. <laughs> so have I. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible ones. <laughs> so that, that's why well, I don't drink tequila anymore. Never harmed it so much in my life. It was just a steady stream, like like something in a TV show or a movie, you know. 
yeah, I, uh, I, I just can't do that. And you know, the whole, I would say that I don't really get drunk ever when I'm drinking bourbon, but that would be a lie. And anybody who watches the show would call me a liar. So I do get a little tipsy here and there. Yeah, well, that's what the liquid's invented for. True, true. It's that some people don't know when to stop, and uh, that's too bad because I've known a lot of those people. But what I have learned, both because of, of the drug use uh, from the 60s and 70s and 80s, in the early 80s, cocaine exploded like uh, the movie Blow with Johnny Depp. It was all accurate. It just everything. You know, I was bribing uh, radio station project managers, TV people with bottles of Coke, um, grams. It was just expected as well as cash. You know, the days of payola, the big scan, uh, scam in uh, the 1950s, the scandal is what I meant to say, um, uh, the went to Congress that people were paying off the record stations to get their records played. It, it's always been like that. It's never changed. You know, it's just for some reason, you know, I mean, I was, I was a kid in the fifties, so I have no recollection of it and I haven't done much reading, uh, but uh, the music business always deals in, in, uh, in graft and corruption. And, you know, I didn't like that either. Yeah. You know, that was part of the ruthlessness that I just thought this is, and of course the timing was bad that Coke had, had exploded in, in the United States in 1980 uh, when the cartels just went crazy. Everybody, I knew, I knew people who died, I knew people that were murdered, you know. Yeah, just, it was a different time. I mean, yeah, it was way different. I mean, it's a long time ago, 40 years ago. In 1980s, when I stopped eating sugar. Wow. And I still look like this. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not, you know. It's not a beauty tip. Be, what? It's not a beauty tip. Yeah, apparently. Apparently. Although my insides are pretty good for a guy my age. And I, I some of it has to be uh, no sugar. Um, but, you know, there's only one food. The food industry has not figured out how to make sugar free. There's only one food. I mean, you can get ice cream, candy, you name it. Donuts. There is no such thing as a sugar-free donut. I've not eaten a donut in 41 years. Wow. You can pin the metal on me right here. Yeah, I'm going to put a big donut right there. <laughs> I, if Charlotte occasionally gets a donut, I smell her breath afterwards. You know, I just hang there. Um, but then I, I've taken a bite, and, and the sugar, you know, your body realizes is it's a toxin and it doesn't realize it until you stop doing something and then it rejects you doing it again you know it's strange how that happens because i really don't like the taste of sugar it, it's repulsive but yeah. if you're really on the donut especially if it's freshly made it's also the smell the i know because it's the it's, oh, it's, 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 love donuts. it's bread i mean who doesn't love the smell of fresh bread um, I can't think of anyone offhand. I, I could get back to you. If you find somebody that doesn't like the smell of fresh bread, don't talk to them ever again. <laughs> can't trust them. Okay. I, I made some notes of, of things that I might bring up to talk. I mean, I've gone way past half an hour. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're, we're on overtime now. 
So, hey, well, let me ask you this. Like, sometime in the future, would you be willing to come back? Oh, this was great. I had a wonderful time. Awesome. Uh, thank you, Rob. I well, mean, and we didn't get to the story of... the first time? Huh? We didn't get to the story of how me and you actually met, and I'm going to tell that on a very, a very near episode. It'll probably be two episodes from now. I'm going to tell the story because I told the guys last night the whole story, and you probably don't even remember, but it was very comical when you look back. Because I asked you if you would be on the show, or I no, I asked you for yeah, I, I, it was on LinkedIn, yeah, wasn't and you, it? And you were like, "Nah, I hate podcasts." No, what, what the hell was it on? <laughs> no, no, it was on LinkedIn. Okay, yeah, and I asked you to check out our show and tell me what you thought, and you're like, "I'm not the right person to ask. I hate podcasts." Yeah, it was a mistake on my part. Well, and no, but but then you did. No, I shouldn't have even said that. Um, uh, because, well, I, it's, it's the truth. It's just that I kind of, at that point, given up. Yeah. Well, I mean, but then I said, well, well now you... that I've seen you, it's like, oh my goodness, this is, this is, uh, I'm entertained. Well, this is, and this, this, this is nice. What I loved about it though, was even though you didn't go check it out, I said, well, you've been doing what you're doing for so long. Do you have any advice? And you said, just be yourself. Did I? And I was like, all right. And then the other thing that you said, which was dead wrong, was you said you need to keep it to around 20 minutes. Oh, well, if you were doing a cigar review, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just took that as being the whole show. Yeah, yeah, but what you do isn't you're not reviewing cigars. We're not. We don't and review. That's what I thought you were doing. Yeah, I got you. Well, I was like, well, it ended up we do quite a bit more than twenty minutes. But I also had that advice from someone else very early on. They were like, "Oh, limit it to twenty minutes," and that's just not possible. Well, if you weren't entertaining, I would limit it limit it to two minutes. But you are, you know, and Brian and. Uh, uh, you, you're fun to watch. I can't watch you in one sitting because your shows are like what seven and a half hours long. <laughs> it seems like um, they are. <clears throat> but um, you know, I come back to them. Uh, uh, although while I'm a busy uh, captain of industry at the moment, um, uh, I do find time to uh, seek out my peers and and judge them uh, cruelly. Well, we appreciate that. Anytime you want to judge us, man, we love. Na- we love we love nasty comments no, left in the comments. This is the reason section. I only have half a dozen sponsors on my <laughs> website. It's because they all hate me. They read me. You know, I may give them twenty good reviews of different blends they make. I give them one sucker. Oh, you know, you're the, the devil. Some manufacturers are like children, man. I've come across all of them, and some of them have put it in writing in emails. I got some really famous cigar industry people yelling at me in an email, not realizing that on the phone, no record. You write it down, it's there forever, baby. You know, so I've got some just, they're just tearing me a new asshole because I just dissed their cigar big time, which was earned by them. It was a shitty cigar. Right. You didn't make That's it. That's my job is to tell the truth. That's right. Dun, dun. <clears throat> Captain Catman. 
Catman, I hate that. Oh, it would have to be spelled. Catman would have to be spelled with a K. Yes. Oh my god, that's the most horrible thing I've ever heard. <laughs> could have been worse. <laughs> you could. A lot of things could be worse. You know, but I'm I'm lucky. I'm lucky that we at this late stage in my life that we have made acquaintanceship. Um, um, you you give off the aura door of um, you know being a solid good guy and you're honest and you're entertaining and you're smart and I'm having an affair with your wife. <laughs> by the way. Oh well, hey man. I got to wrap it up, but I want to say thank you. It's been a real pleasure. I look forward to talking to you again in the near future, and we will definitely have you back on. I hope I hope uh, your readers don't pummel you with hate mail. I I get plenty of hate mail without you, so I'm used to it. But anyway, uh, look down in the show notes, and we'll have a link to uh, the Catman Cigar Reviews. Go by, check it out. You're going to want to. I put you on my my website too. And for those of you that want to read me, well, you got the link. But it's Cigar Reviews by the Catman, and Catman with a K, one word. If I give you the, it's Conehead.com, but it's it's like we are from France. Um, But it's my last name is K O H N, and it's H E D, not H. You'll never remember it. So Catman. Thank you, Rob. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure for me as well, and we will talk to you in the near future, man. Have a great day, man. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, guys. Hope you enjoyed the interview with the Catman. That's Phil. So, anyway, he's a character, man. He is... I visited with him an hour and a half on a Zoom call just like a couple weeks ago. Just shooting the shit awesome yeah i mean he's a he's a cool dude man so anyway we're gonna we're gonna continue last week on the show we played stump the chump with bryant and he failed miserably so we're gonna give you the opportunity to shine and make bryant look like a fool (laughs) we're just kidding everybody knows he is so anyway uh what we're going to do is I'm going to give you a cigar glossary term, and you tell me what it means, All if right. you know. All right. If you okay. don't, make something up that sounds good, and if it sounds really good, I'll tell you you got it right. <laughs> so the first term we're going to go with is transplanter. Transplanter. Hmm. That... I'm assuming is uh, moving a, a plant to a different spot. Boom. Nice. The actual term, and I'm going to give you credit because, you know, you don't have to be spot on. This is not, you know, life or death. <laughs> An agricultural implement used by tobacco farmers to plant large numbers of tobacco seedlings in a short period. And they have them in different rows. And then they dig channels after they put seeds in them. Then they, once they come up, they move those plants to other areas of the farm. And, like, I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary done by uh, Davidoff. I started it. I haven't finished it yet. It's long. Yes. What I did was I only watched the parts where the guy was on tour at the farm. Right. Because all that talking in between, I didn't care about. But it was (laughs) very interesting. But they actually start their seedlings out, like, in a 
little area that that's all they do is go through the seeds and planting them. Yeah. And then once they grow like this tall, uh, they get rid of the males. And so, because the males will ruin the plants. Interesting. Yeah. You know, just like we do in man. Everything else. Right. So anyway, then once they get to a certain size, they would sort them and plant them out in the fields. Nice. It was very interesting, though. If you haven't seen that Davidoff documentary, it's, it's worth a watch. I think you should get this one. Okay. Torsador. Torsador is the cigar roller, like the premium Bam. cigar Boom. roller. Boom. Two for two. The technical definition is Spanish for cigar roller. So, bam. It's kind of easy, though, knowing that if you smoke McAuliffe cigars, because they actually have one celebrating the roller. The Torsador. Trumpet. Trumpet? Trumpet. Is that a... Uh, uh, I don't know. Is that a, uh, a cigar Vitola? So I'm going to give you credit on that one because that is exactly what it is. And the trumpet is where the fattest point is the foot, and it just continuously gets smaller to the shoulder. Oh, okay. So that's a trumpet. Nice. I mean, So kind of like the, uh, the Papa's Fritas. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And I mean, I didn't even know that. Uh, here's another one. Trippa. Trippa. That's spelled T-I-T-R-I-P-A. Hmm. But it's actually pronounced Trippa. Trippa. Um, all I can think of is it has something to do with three. Three of something. Well, you know, you're not far off, but you're not going to get credit for that one. Uh, it's inside premium cigar. A combination of tobacco leaves make up the binder and the filler and the wrapper. Okay. Which is three. Right. But, yeah, that's your – I mean, I like that you came up with three. I mean, try tr- – that's three, triangle. Now, this one might throw you. Tube. Tube? Tube. Just tube. Tube. Oh, well, I mean, there's many cigars that come in a tube. Bam, he gets another one right. All right. I tried to trick you on that one. I mean, a lot of them call them two bows. Right? Okay. Vega. Vega. Um, I'm assuming it's a plant, but uh, Vega is also... F- is it five? I don't well, know. We have the five Vegas. Yeah, the five. No, that, I, don't, I, I don't know if that has anything to do with this. Right. Well, you know what? I bet it does. Once I tell you what it means. Okay. Another word for a tobacco plantation. And I bet Five Vegas comes from there was five. Five plantations. All working together. Yep. Huh. Very interesting. All right. The next one is Viso. Viso. I've heard this one. I can't remember what it means, but I have heard that term before. Viso is priming of the filler tobacco. Hmm. On the plant, Viso is below the Lajero, making it less intense than the Lajero by comparison and stronger than Seiko. Okay, that's where I've heard it because I heard that part on the Davidoff. Ah, see, I don't even remember that. Yeah, it was in the first 15 minutes. That's the only part I've seen. Well, I jumped around, so I probably missed a lot. But, it, I mean, it, it's like two and a half hours. Yeah, it's long. The next one is uh, Vista. 
Vista. Um, I don't know what it would mean in the cigar term. I mean, a Vista is a view. And that's, I I can't let you get that one. Sorry. <laughs> when opening a cigar box, the inner portion of the lid is the Vista. Ah. And the Vista is often adorned with brand artwork. That makes so, sense. I mean, so, yeah. There's the view. I mean, I get, that was a close guess. That was a close guess. Uh, wilting. Wilting is uh, the, the not more or less dying of the, the leaf. I mean, it's drying out. Yeah. I'm, because you said drying out, I'm going to give that to you. Uh, it's after the stock cut tobacco has been harvested, it is laid on the ground to wilt in the sun. Yeah. So, yeah. So here's one that I think you're going to have troubles with. Yankee Hinge. Yankee Hinge. Oh, I mean, I'm a Yankee, so it's got to be a hinge that's just not right. <laughs> it's probably I on. <laughs> I'm going to read this to you, and then we'll decide. But <laughs> tobacco barns in the Connecticut River Valley are constructed with long boards called Yankee hinges, which are open to increase airflow. <laughs> so, see, no, no, no credit there. <laughs> uh, the next one is wheel. Wheel? Just wheel. I mean, a wheel. It's a round wheel. It rolls around. Yeah, that's not going to fly. <laughs> it's the measurement of 100 cigars in a bundle. Okay. Uh, Bryant last night had half wheel, which is 50 cigars. Okay. So he said it was a, a place that writes cigar reviews, which is also correct. That is true. But I didn't give him credit. Ah. Stalk cut stock cut is cutting from the stock instead of pulling from the root a method of harvesting tobacco where the whole plant is cut at once as opposed to selecting primers from the plant harvested in succession over a period of days after a plant has been cut from the stock it is allowed to wilt the plants my printer cut off on the edge here Uh-oh. so the planters are with wooden lathes and hung upside down okay we talked about that last night yeah so they dry out one of the term lathe i mean we all know what a lathe is right but the term for them is actually in the processing a basically a big thick wooden pole Okay. Which looks like it's been turned on a lathe. Right. And anyway, that's what they hang the plants on up in the roofs. You've seen them. So they can dry. Right. So I didn't know that. All right. Spill. Spill? Spill. Hmm. Well, it sure can't just be as simple as spilling. No. Um, so hmm. I know you're not going to get this one. No, so I'm not. Gonna, it's a thin strip of spanish cedar used to light a cigar in the traditional manner okay well that's how i light all my cigars do you really yes i used to do that and then i got lazy oh that's i I know i know it takes it to another level it really does i don't think there's a wrong way to light a cigar other than doing it with a big lighter i i don't even think there's a problem with that there's probably not but if you have the time it's just one of those things that i like to do i like to toast my foot with the torch, and then I either light my cigar with a cedar stick or a match. And you know what I have really started doing over the last probably 
four or five months is lightly toasting the foot. Yep. You don't want to just torch the shit out of the end of your cigar. No, just barely kiss the flame on the foot. And I'm meticulous about it. I used to think I had to get it just black all the way around. And it's like, I put my bread in a toaster. I don't leave it in there long enough for it to just be hard. Right, right. So I was like, I'm going to lighten up on that. And I think it's been a lot better. Nice. I I typically do get mine black. I almost do like a preheat. And in doing so, it, it may just be coincidence, but I have to... I don't have to mess with my cigars as much. I don't have runners. Uh, toasting is like the precursor to smoking a cigar yeah. because so many times I've said, if you don't toast the foot, you're just asking for problems. Yep. And the one thing I do make sure is that I singe the wrapper all, all the way around. Because if you don't, automatically you're going to just like want it to canoe. Exactly. So anyway. All right, man. Here is your last question. Suckers. Suckers. Uh, they are small branches or growths on the bottom of a stock. Holy crap. Bam. Wow. Nice. <laughs> Brian had that one last Brian. night, and he said that was Larry. <laughs> and then Larry turned it around on him. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll say this again. Like, and I, I actually have heard this term before tobacco yep. because tomato plants have those olive trees olive i didn't know that all, almost all trees really a lot of trees so grow suckers. anytime there is a growth at the uh where another branch has already come off right that's the sucker that's growing up right there yes. and it takes away the nutrients that that limb should be getting yes and so i just know from tomato tomatoes that you got to always pull those yep i did a tour of a olive orchard where was this san antonio oh okay. and they went into great detail about clipping the suckers off the bottom of the trees and why they do that so what do they make there well they make olive oil of course then different olives um they also made one of the best ice creams i've ever had in my life with olive oil really it was phenomenal and was it just like a vanilla it was a vanilla but it had a buttery taste to it that you get from the olive oil and it was amazing they also had one that was kind of a had a little bit of a spice to it and they used that in the ice cream as well really and it was it was really interesting it was very good you know what i love old school ice cream yeah and i don't really care for what they make at the store today. Right. You know what I mean? If, and I don't know anybody that makes homemade ice cream anymore. I actually bought my mom an ice cream maker just to have homemade ice cream. Dude, because it's not even the same. No. It's like, that's what ice cream should be. That's what our grandmother did. Right. She was out there churning ice cream and putting rock salt in there and right. all the stuff. And, you know, took two hours to make a bowl of ice cream <laughs> right. but it was the best <laughs> ice cream best ice cream you had yeah absolutely rudy tooty fresh and fruity bam <laughs> so anyway man we're gonna run uh after we talk about who have we not talked about mccallif 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 cigars we are so honored to be like sponsored by them and you know we have a unique history with them because 
That was the first cigar company that let us come to their headquarters and do a show from their headquarters and give us a tour of the headquarters. And we just developed a very good relationship ever since then. Yeah. And so it's been a blessing to be sponsored by them. You know, I was talking about this with somebody yesterday. I think it was Vic. And it was like, they're one of the few companies that have a cigar line that will accommodate anybody's palate. Anybody. And price range. You're going to find a cigar that you enjoy in their line. Definitely. I know I've got at least three or four of my go-to sticks that come from McAuliffe. Yes. And my biggest two go-tos are McAuliffe's. I, the Connecticut. Have you smoked the Connecticut? Oh, a bunch of times. Okay. I mean, that was one. That was really the second Connecticut after the La Galera that I was like, oh, man, this is doing it for me. And so that Connecticut and then, of course, the Medallia. I mean, can't go wrong. Can't with go that. wrong. Are you a big fan of that cigar? I like the Medallia. Now, I like the Petit Corona because that's a stick that I tend to smoke. Really? It's a quick smoke, a 45-minute smoke. Yeah. Uh, that's That's been my go-to. Okay. And for six bucks. I mean. Yeah. I mean, it's a great wrong. stick. I mean, dude, if you can find a, a blend of that quality at six bucks. At six dollars and a quick smoke. Yeah. That's great. And, you know, that's one of the things I never have in my humidor enough is a quick smoke. Right. You know what I mean? It's like every time I open up my humidor, I'm like, I don't have an hour, (laughs) (laughs) but I've got 40 minutes, you know, and then I don't want to light a cigar and waste it. Yeah, I've got a box of Churchill's, but I don't have any Petit Coronas. Exactly. So I've been trying to add a few more short smokes into my humidor. Yeah. Uh, And then... The price is four to forty two. Four to forty two. And I mean, so any budget, any skill level, I mean, I'll say that fortunately for me, I was really just getting into the non full bodied ass kicking cigars when I met the McAuliffe family. Yeah. And it was the perfect line of cigars to actually tour the entire uh, facings. I think, do you know how many they have? Is it like 16? 15. 15. So, I mean, it's a great journey to smoke all of them if you can. And I found so many cigars I really enjoyed. And I found some that are just my absolute go-tos. Yeah. I think it's 15 facings and over 40 Vitolas. Yeah. I mean, there's something for everybody. And not very many people can pull off that size of a line and keep the construction spot on quality control is excellent and that's i mean that is so important in cigars so many people don't do it and you know it just pisses me off yeah and on top of that they have that ambassador program which i mean yeah we have a link in the show notes if you're not a mccallif ambassador sign sign up up. they send you a coin and i mean you there's so many opportunities definitely They, they do more for their ambassadors and consumers of any cigar company that I know. I mean, they have so many things going on for you guys. At least two drawings a week with your bold moment contest and then your passports. They incentivize you to smoke their cigars. You can win money. You I've won a ton. Yeah, we know. <laughs> I have never won any. I'm not allowed, which is complete BS. Oh, well, uh, you know, I Photo enjoy the contest. I'm all about. Right. It's a blast. So, I yeah, but I can't win. And then 
you know, they're just so involved. I mean, everybody, Sam Spencer, Amanda McAuliffe, Al McAuliffe, Dan I, I watched Sam and Amanda on one of their live shows. Yeah. I mean, they, they produce a ton of content. Right. And they just give you, like I was saying earlier, I want to know who I'm buying cigars from. There's no other company that is as transparent as they are. No, no one. I mean, they're just, they're so involved every single day. They're liking, commenting on every post, creating content. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I see Dan like one of my pictures on Instagram, and I'm like, wow. And not only does he like, but he generally comments. Right. Takes time out of his day to say, hey, thanks for smoking our cigars. Looks great. What'd you think of that? Yeah, and he wants honest feedback. He does. So, anyway, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. And until next time, keep smoking. Boom.